What Fox Television told us was that we were just the people to be the investigators. Do any stories you want, ask tough questions, and get answers. So I thought, this is great. This is a dream job. Fantastic. One of the first stories that Jane came up with was the uh, revelation that most of the milk in the state of Florida and throughout much of the country uh, was adulterated with the effects of bovine growth hormone. With Monsanto, I didn't realize how effectively a corporation could work to get something on the marketplace. The levels of coordination they had to have. They had to get university professors into the fold. They had to get experts into the fold. They had to get reporters into the fold. They had to get the public into the fold. And of course the FDA, let's not leave them out. They had to get the federal regulators convinced that this was a fine and safe product um, to get it onto the marketplace. And they did that. They did that very, very well. The federal government basically rubber stamped it before they put it on the marketplace. The longest test they did for human toxicity was 90 days on 30 rats. And then either Monsanto misreported the results to the FDA or the FDA didn't bother to look in depth at Monsanto's own studies. The scientists within Health Canada looked very carefully at bovine growth hormone and came to very different conclusions than the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. did. Monsanto's engineered growth hormone did not comply with safety requirements. It could be absorbed by the body and therefore did have implications for human health. Mysteriously, that conclusion was deleted from the final published version of their report. We have been pressured and coerced to pass drugs of questionable safety, including the RBST. We wrote the story. We had it ready a week beforehand. They bought ads. Farmers in the milk industry say it's safe. But studies suggest a link to cancer. Don't miss this special report from the investigation. That Friday night before the Monday the series was to begin, the fax machine spit out a letter from this very high-priced lawyer in New York that Monsanto had hired. It contained a lot of things that were just off-the-wall false, just demonstrably false. But if you didn't know the story and you didn't know how we had gone about producing it, it uh, would have scared you as a broadcaster, as a manager. And they decided that they would pull the story. And about a week later, he calls us back. And now we've changed strategies. How about if we pay you some money and you just go away? You're firing us because we refused to put on the air something that we knew and demonstrated to be false and misleading. That's what this is about. And she wrote a letter back and said, you're right. That's exactly what it was. You stood up to us on this story. And that's why we're letting you go. Big mistake big mistake that says retaliation you can't retaliate against employees if they're standing up for something that they believe is illegal that they don't want to participate in so that gave us the whistleblower status that we needed in the state of Florida to file a whistleblower claim against our employer Fox News appealed the verdict five major news media corporations filed briefs with the court in support of Fox's appeal Jane sued Fox under Florida's whistleblower statute, which protects those who try to prevent others from breaking the law. But her appeal court judges found that falsifying news isn't actually against the law. So they denied Jane her whistleblower status, overturned the case, and withdrew her $425,000 award. Canada and Europe have upheld the ban on RBGH. And it remains hidden in much of the milk supply of the United States.
do the big farmers, do they rotate crops where they let a piece of land actually be able to regain nutrients and whatnot over the year, or do they just keep using the same exact land and just fertilize the heck out of it? Traditional, conventional farming has reached a place where you typically just throw in more fertilizer. And for farmers, this needs to be clear that there are a lot of farmers who would wish not to be using their land this way, but they can't get any money unless they do use their land this way. They have to produce a kajillion bushels of corn, and the only way they're going to push a kajillion bushels of corn out of the same land again and again is by fertilizing and using pesticides. The farmers are actually paid or get subsidies to not produce any food as well. Right. Yes. And they're not allowed to use their land to do anything else with it, either transition it to organic or even really let it go wild and make it a wildlife preserve. They must maintain the field in field form, even though they're not growing anything. Keeping stubble in the field is more popular, but for a long time that meant that you left it plowed and that meant that the winds came and blew the topsoil away on top of everything else. My little brother and his friends, they live in a town in Pennsylvania, a small town, but it's very uh, artistic, forward-thinking people. So they go to Wegmans. So I guess like a, a tangent question would be, is Wegmans better than, than Whole Foods? And then they make a point of buying food that's, that's organic and sustainable as much as possible, even though they're all in their mid-20s, dirt poor, you know, trying to be musicians, etc. Most young people are not quite so forward-thinking, most young people are much more nearsighted. And what, how do we address that? How do we get people who, are, who have little money, which is more and more of us these days, to understand how important it is to, to purchase correctly, to vote with our dollar, especially when it comes to our food? I think we have to be talking to each other about food and sharing food ink and accessing fresh and getting the word out because a lot of it is education and some of the education needs to be to help people understand how do you cook food when you haven't really maybe in many cases not even been raised on food cooked from scratch um, so understanding what you do with the stuff to get good value out of it matters and understanding what is the value. And when you're talking about nutrient density, it actually requires less food to get sound nutrition. So, for example, our chickens cost $4.95 a pound. That's a lot of money when chickens cost whatever ridiculous 99 cents a pound or 69 cents a pound or whatever. But our six-pound chicken, five-pound chicken can feed a family of four or five two or three times, and you'll still have a carcass that you can throw in your freezer and then throw it into a pot with four other ones and make stock. And when you cook with that stock, you don't need any meat. And that's one of the, the things that people need to learn is how, how do you cook so that you actually draw all of the nutrition out? Another thing is a good, sound, well-empowered, I'll say, egg. You only need to eat one of them. 
you don't need to eat two of them. And you're going to get a good day's or good at least morning, half day's supply of all that, the protein and vitamin A and D, which is actually absent from most other eggs. So it's just that knowing what you're looking for and then realizing that you there is a great deal of value in expensive food. And then you have to learn how to stretch it and learn how to stretch it effectively. So organic rice isn't as expensive as organic potatoes at certain times of the year. But when they're in season in your area, then organic potatoes are pretty cheap, relatively. So stretch your food by using additives and have parties where you cook together. There's an organization in Austin called the Sustainable Food Center, and one of the things they do is a lot of cooking classes for low-income people. They've also made the markets that they've been able to get into accept uh, Texas's version of food stamps so that at least they can now buy it. They can use some of their own money to buy good food. And then they're taught how to prepare it because the cheapest food you're going to buy is seasonal. And we're not used to cooking and eating in season. It's, it's going to take a lot of education and support to make something like that happen. And it's going to take time. Whether or not you were aware of the World Health Organization's promotion of Codex Alimentarius, basically the gist of what I've gotten from it was that kind of following the pattern of, of the suicide seats where they're really trying to completely own not just everything that we can see, not trying to put a dollar sign on everything we can see, but putting dollar signs on, on DNA. And their uh, Codex Alimentarius is, uh, from what I've gathered, is a way for them to list nu- nutrients as toxins so that they can regulate that and they can eliminate a large portion of nutrients from our food so they have the legal hold on that. The Monsanto scientists uh, met with the FDA scientists and they went through the kinds of modifications that they were making and how those were being done and basically what they were also saying to FDA is how will these products be regulated? I have never seen a situation where one company could have so much overwhelming influence at the highest levels of regulatory decision-making as the example of Monsanto with its GM food policy in the government. And so they created a trade commission. That's a very important pair of words, a trade commission called the Codex Alimentarius Commission. It is not a public health commission. It is not a consumer protection commission. It is a trade commission. Now, Codex Alimentarius Commission is administered by the World Health Organization, WHO, and the FAO, the Food and Agriculture Organization. They fund Codex and they run it at the request of the UN. In 1994, Codex, with no notice here in this country whatsoever, declared nutrients put on your intellectual seatbelts, declared nutrients to be toxins. They're poisons, dangerous industrial poisons. As poisons, we have to be protected from them. What we're talking about is waking up one morning and being very surprised to find that high-potency, therapeutically effective 
clinically significant nutrients are now illegal in the way that heroin is illegal. Which rears its incredibly ugly head as Bill HR 875, the so-called Food Safety Modernization Act of 2009. Now this is more of Obama's doing, okay? They're, they're doing it, folks. They're doing it soon. Monsanto has got their wish and they are attempting to nationalize farming and the food source. Folks, this is outrageous and it requires your immediate attention. It really does. HR 875 is the piece of legislation concerning this matter. So you need to contact your representatives and senators about this. You cannot allow this to happen to our children's food. Understand something, people. Understand something here. If, if this bill passes, there will no longer be organic food, okay? Organic farmers will be required to spray pesticides and insecticides on their organic crops, hence making it no longer organic. And, and pesticides and insecticides, they kill your immune system, folks. They, they allow you to become sick more often. And the result, of course, is that people end up purchasing more and more over-the-counter medicines and prescription drugs from big corporations. This is selling sickness to the people. And buried within these bills, buried within the, the HR 875 bill, are guidelines that will effectively criminalise organic farming by listing organic seeds as a source of contamination. Now think about this folks, think about this. Seeds as a source of contamination. Okay, now, now look folks, what happens when seeds get contaminated? Well. They don't grow. That's it. That's all that happens. They don't contaminate the food because they don't grow if they're contaminated. What they're saying is that your organic crops may contaminate the uh, Monsanto genetically engineered crops. You need to stand up and do something about this bill. And you need to completely ignore this legislation if it's passed. You need to go out of your way to start growing organic crops. Everybody needs to boycott this bill. Understand that this isn't law. It's a statute. It's legislation. You don't have to go along with it, okay? You can stand up and make noise about it. This is your food that we're talking about, folks. This is your food. It's very, very important that this not be allowed to happen. You cannot let this occur because this is mass contamination of the world's seed stocks for the masses. Just look at what they're doing. Just, just stop and look at what they're doing with this. They are saying that they only want organic food to be served at the White House. They only want organic food to be served at the palace. But in the meantime, they are forcing the people of the world, the common people of the world, like you and I, to eat genetically modified crops. And they're also locking all of the organic seeds and all of the real seeds, they're locking them in huge underground bunkers in places like Iceland. So people so can't, people get, to can't get to them. Get to them. I have heard a little bit about it, and you've just given a very fine explanation of it, far better than I could. And to me, that is one strategy for controlling the food and making it, making it so that the food that is available to us via industrial agriculture is the only food available to us. Another is allowing uh, Monsanto and other organizations to own the genetic 
basis of plants that come out of the rainforests of Peru, for example, so that now they get to say that other people can't use this genetic stock because they own the genetic stock, even if all they do is tuck it away while they continue to feed us the same junk. So there's just strategies that are being put out. And the I believe that as the alternative movement grows, and it is, the backlash to try to fight it is going to become much more circuitous and devious. And I've heard of the Codex, and that's that's one of them. The other thing we tend to do in this country is... When a big organization, when a big corporation gets in trouble selling something to us, they just start selling them someplace else, like Monsanto and the seeds that are going to save the world and what they've done to agriculture in India. So we really have to fight it on a global basis because it's being waged on a global basis. Thanks, Mom, for, for coming on and giving us all that information. Yeah, thank you so much, Jules. Oh, you are so welcome. It's been really quite fun. Thank you. It's very, very, very cool what you do and very much needed. So, Absolutely. I, I, I think that the way we eat and, you know, how we can decide on, you know, what to purchase and where to purchase and from whom has a lot to do with not just the food itself because that speaks for itself. The food that is grown sustainably is more nutritious. As a whole, we would feel better if we all ate that way. But also just as a cycle, as far as our earth, too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We haven't even begun to get into the issues of obesity and some of the other stuff around food. That's an endless process of discovery and shock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> <Serious> shock. <laughs> it's a real pleasure having you on. Thank you for feeding us. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You all have a good night. Brian and I have been trying to make wiser decisions about food, being on a fixed income is is one of the huge things we face when it comes to buying healthy. I mean, literally, we go to, I don't know if you know what Aldi's is, but it's a a food store that, like, they don't bag for you and stuff, so they can really bring down the prices of food. And even there, the difference of buying food for a week, for instance, and trying to make healthier decisions, we're spending literally, like, probably two times as much and getting not as much food at all. So for us, it's been a really big issue. The vendors here in Iowa, we have them. However, they don't, they're not up all year round. They can't be. It's freezing in the winter. And then they sell corn through the beginning of the summer and you can buy uh, zucchini and tomatoes and other stuff like that. But that's not all year round. So I kind of wanted to get people's ideas or, get some information about how to do that. In wine country, it's pretty easy to do that because everywhere around me are farmers. I can buy eggs up the street. I mean, not even the street, just like I could walk up to to where this guy sells eggs and uh, strawberries. There's all kinds of berries. And then aside from purchasing them, there's there's just tons of, I mean, at the park, I can go pick raspberries and blackberries when they're in season with my little brother. He's a really great example. He and his friends are a great example of what we're talking about. They are dirt poor. They're, they're starving artists. And they would rather buy food that cost them twice as much and go without having beer. They're mid-20s, you know. This is ridiculous to even be saying this, it seems like. But they would go rather go without beer, without party stuff, uh, and bum cigarettes from, from each other for a couple weeks than buy crappy food. 
So it's definitely possible, but I think it's something where you've got to really seriously pinch. You've got to tighten that belt strap a little bit if, if you're going to make that choice. If you are not uh, wealthy or, I mean, shoot, if you're not middle income at this point, if you're not middle class, trying to vote with your dollar is very difficult. And it's, it will only be remedied, it will only be made easier the more that, that those of us who are like-minded consciously minded, progressively minded, forward thinking, continue to band together. I mean, this is our best possible hope for trying to fix the situation. So for the time being, Jess, I think you guys having a kid and a kid that's reaching the age where he's going to start scarfing down everything that's in the cupboard and everything that's in the refrigerator. Uh, yeah, no joke. <laughs> when you think about the fact that, you know, every time you, you – purchase uh, food at the grocery store and they scan it that's literally like voting for what you want these farmers to be producing yep. i mean it's so important to do it that way but there is some huge obstacles when it comes to financing and also the the education i think is a huge thing just huge does anyone know what the different numbers numbers either start with a three a four a five or a nine one, one of those numbers is organic. Oh, you, you mean like the, the like the, what we would call a PLU, like the if you buy apples and it's code four one six six. You mean like that? Right. Which one of those is is organic? Basically, I think that from what I've been reading and what my mom Jules said on the program is all of the food that you would buy in a grocery store period isn't from a sustainable farmer they just can't get in the door to sell them that way but some of the stores like the very small molly stone chain here either starts with a three a five or a nine for organic four is just regular grown and that there there is a number that's a growth hormone one of those is organic and so i'm trying to remember which is which we could get that out more not just on our show but just generally speaking so you only have to remember four or five numbers and then you know what you've got or what they say you've got I'm looking for what you're talking about online right now, trying to see if there's a, a list of these codes somewhere, or is it maybe it's store by store? No, it's a universal thing. So all you have to know is four or five numbers. I don't know if it's actual, but it's what they claim. Yeah, I think that's the difference is what they can claim is organic because of certain guidelines that are followed, and then the difference between organic and something that is farmed sustainably, meaning that all of the growing and the seeds, the pests, everything is included in that. But I don't know about any codes, so it might be something well, we, maybe, you know, should look up. <laughs> maybe it's just uh, required in the state of California. I do, I do eat non-organic on a regular basis, in fact, most of the time, because uh, I can't afford the money for organic. Yeah, that's that's exactly, I think, what we we're saying is that it's it's ridiculously expensive to eat well. It's not by accident either. That's something that I would assume is understood by all of us. That was on purpose. And if it's a matter of filling yourself up, you know, like the mom, which could be you, I guess, in Food Inc., where she's talking about she can take her husband and the kids Donald's drive through, hit the dollar menu, fill them all up for ten bucks, or she can spend ten dollars on one organically raised chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a big deal. Big deal. The other day for, for lunch, because I was down to, I think, a uh, $1.75, I was able to get um, 
a double cheeseburger with vegetables, you know, ketchup, uh, onion, relish with the vegetables, and I ended up having 64 cents left. And that's all I had uh, to last for a week. I managed to do it. It's quite interesting. Maybe I could write a, a book or an article about how to live on 64 cents a month. <laughs> I know it's all on purpose. It's just for the pocket linings of the industrial chains that put out this food, Monsanto, just by the way that our food is, is farmed. I wonder how much that plays into keeping us sick because of the insurance companies and healthcare. It, it, I see a big cycle there that is pretty disturbing. In many cases, we might be adapting the wrong way, but I think it, I think the human body has adapted in a positive way to what we eat that isn't perfectly pure. There are some stresses in life that are positive and work well to keep on your toes. Sometimes blowing off steam, getting angry, is good because it uh, generates adrenaline, which gets you to do something about something. So not all non-organic food is, is bad. There, there's a positive side to it that we need to look, take a look at both sides of any equation. We're living on planet Earth, the planet of duality. I don't know if the planet is dual, but the homo sapiens navians certainly seem to be trapped in that system. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is that we are trapped in that system, and I think that's the problem, because the Earth is being kind of stepped on a lot by how just how we grow our food, and that includes the animals, the crops, the fact that most of our food is corn. It's made out of some arrangement of the corn uh, chemicals or DNA. So, you know, I think it's a cycle that I don't really see much of a positive for just because of what we're doing outside of our bodies to the to the land. And like London, which uh, doesn't get the smog that it used to, they've done an adaptation and still able to live in the city. And there's so many little tiny parks in London and everybody's got something growing in the backyard. And that's what I mean by adaptation. They did not have to move out of the city, but they did the best they could with adapting. So life uh, isn't perfect on this planet. So I think we have to take a look at how we can adapt to anything and do our best at that. Plus, try to not forget to create the positive changes that don't, so we don't have the problem in the first place. Yeah, the revolution is one of intelligence. I think it's going to be about intelligence, love. How we can get there is going to be difficult. I, I really don't know what it's going to look like yet. I only have my part in it. But it definitely starts with accepting this system that we are in uh, as for what it is and then attempting to, to change it.